So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. So today's episode, another conversation lined up. This one all about the wonderful world of relationships in business. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Kate Adie to help us explore this wonderful topic. So Kate, welcome to the show. And could you just to start with give listeners just a couple of minutes on your background and how come we're having this conversation? Mm, Great, Piers, and super to be here. Yeah, I've got a background, a corporate background going over 20 years in consulting mainly management consulting, worked across industry, um, worked a lot in kind of CRM, moved into change management, um, then actually worked in a very small specialised leadership development and coaching consultancy firm. And it was there really that I fell in love with the coaching um, and was coaching a lot of business leaders across sort of FTSE 100 companies um, and also doing group work, but I just loved doing the one-on-one work. And it was whilst I was doing that coaching work that I also actually did a master's uh, in management, learning and leadership um, and did a specialist um, dissertation on transitioning to and from the workplace when becoming a parent. Um, My coaching um, that I absolutely loved was something that I then wanted to pursue myself. So I set up my own business in 2000, K80 Coaching. And I would definitely say that my coaching has evolved since then, I mean, 2008, long time ago, I was back then really focused on uh, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, looking at positive psychology, gestalt. I had sessions at the, the Tavistock, psychoanalytic, um, and really focused on helping people to look at how, how they could change their behaviors and do that sustainably. Now, I began um, to question, I suppose, what was the, what's underpinning all that, all those models? What's, what's the source? I was a very, well, I still am a very curious learner, curious coach. And it was through that questioning that I came across the three principles um, and the work of Michael Neal and many others in that area. And it then triggered um, really this, I suppose, the pursuit of continuing to question and meet different people in different groups. So I met some people in non-duality, which is really where, peers I came across yourself when you were being, when you were interviewing um, the wonderful Rupert Sparrow. And um, we then got in touch and here we are having this amazing, well, going to have this great conversation. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Great. I mean, it's it, for listeners that know me, you'll see some similarity between Kate's background and mine, being in the corporate world, being in the world of coaching, but through the kind of conventional models and approaches that that has, and then drifting into three principles and then into non-duality. So very similar background, Kate. So no wonder we're talking. Um, <laughs> But also on today's topic, Absolutely. having had that uh, exposure to the corporate world for many decades that you have, it's probably fair to say you've come across the odd business relationship 
um, <laughs> or two and how important it is in businesses uh, in organizations that the, the dynamics between in, individuals between teams between leaders and their colleagues leaders and their teams between people and their stakeholders their sponsors um, let alone suppliers customers is absolutely key so uh, communication relationships is fundamental for organizational effectiveness and having a successful happy time at work isn't it really so yeah, what a yeah. great topic we're going to get to talk about yeah yeah um, absolutely and it, it, it's just in I think I don't think there's anyone any who's listening to this that can't say that they've you know not come across some powerful and wonderful conversations and also those they may be a bit tricky feel feel different I think it would be great almost to, yeah, to do a bit of a compare and contrast of um, before knowing non-duality and and actually understanding what that can bring to one's life and therefore relationships. What, 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 what are we, what are we looking at? What are we trying to do in order to improve relationships versus when one has a sense of going upstream in some of the language that you, you use on many of your podcasts peers of, of um, going before the psychology, what does what what does that bring then to to relationships? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's what? do that, Kate. So let's yeah. give a little example for listeners of how maybe 10, 15 years ago we would have helped people see relationships and how to have a better one, uh, and how we would see it now, and that may give people a bit of a hint of what's available with this uh, w- wonderful understanding we call quality of mind. Um, and, and what's mm. what we're leaving behind really but by, by not seeing it so ha- mm. Kate have you got any um examples that we could use here of then and now that, that you want to use yeah I mean I think Piers if I I mean maybe if we both could sort of get if we go sort of back into my corporate days and um I can actually sort of think of an example of uh, for myself of a leader who had a very different style, different way. And I felt myself wanting to try and make that better. Mm-hmm. I was wanting to improve it or to make it f- sort of feel better, more comfortable. And the same sort of thing would come up with, with clients where they would sit down and go, well, I don't really get on with my boss and I'm struggling to know what to do. It just, it just doesn't work. It just, we can't communicate well together. Um, and therefore I'm, I'm just feeling sort of stuck in knowing what to do. Now, in back then with a sort of coachee, with that sort of, sort of predicament, and even myself, I would be looking at, okay, so maybe it's about rapport. Have you, are you, are you noticing mm-hmm. how kind of their body language and your body language um, and, and, and noting, you know, are you kind of noticing their, their eye movements? So it would be very much focused on kind of the the observation of the individual but also trying to mirror them and then also looking at uh, at language so um connecting you know listening but listening in a way that is to their words Mm. and maybe playing back something you know reflecting back or go oh yes I hear what you said there so I think all the little tweaks and nudges and skills and tips and for myself and for let's say for my coachee were on those bits does it does does that? Yeah, I mean, I think for my NLP days, I mean, NLP for those people that aren't aware is neuro linguistic 
programming, right? So, so the middle L is linguistic. Um, and we used to do a lot of um, monitoring, if you like, of language patterns to try and help understand someone's motivational style or um, some of their the normalizations they use or some of the language patterns they use. And then once you understand that, you can kind of try and, I suppose at the worst case, manipulate, but at the best case, um, align yourself with how they see the world so that you can then get a closer sense of understanding of what they're on about. So that'd be one thing we do in NLP. They're also the rapport. So mm -hmm. we try and, as you say, um, mirror body language, uh, breathing, all that kind of stuff. And it had some effect, mm. right? It had some effect. I, I would say definitely because I did it for ten years, so it kind of. Mm. Made the point. What did you see? What were the what were the effects? What kind of? Well, I, I think you... what would happen is it would find it easier for people to get on the same page, mm -hmm. right? But it was quite hard work in that you had to be in your head quite a bit working it out, um, mm. a, a little bit kind of, and it would be quite analytical, and you might have to do some planning and think, well, that person does that, or or you'd have to really kind of watch your own language to try and do it. So it was quite psychologically tiresome. Mm. Uh, or tiring should I say <laughs> um, maybe tiresome uh, mm. and it had some effect so it wasn't pointless and mm -hmm. you could probably mm -hmm. get the conversation to be a bit better than it was um, and maybe you're doing better than your colleagues so you thought we well, yippity do um, mm -hmm. but it, it, it only occasionally was game-changing and I think when it was game-changing it wasn't for the reasons we probably thought it was um mm. so mm. so if we take the fact that back in the day we would look at it like well i need to get an alignment with this person i need to build rapport with them i need to understand how their mind works we'd say things like that. i need to understand mm. how their mind works mm. you know and the language they use gives you clues about their mm. motivational direction about their chunk mm. size preference um we had all these uh they were called meta programs that we would look at that's about i remember about eight of them we used to go yeah. through them and go well where's the person on this to yeah. try and kind of almost analyze it or, yeah. or you do a psychometric or you do an assessment and go oh that person likes this kind of communication style or this yeah. kind of trait or yeah. whatever it is and I think yeah. it's so interesting isn't it because I don't know how this is for you but where I would start now will be a completely different place yeah right? and a yeah different place and Piers there's something as you were talking that popped into my mind is there's a lot of there's a lot of doing, there's quite a lot of noise there, isn't there? And my, my reflections on the relationships, there's a lot of, tr of trying and talking to make it better. Whereas in fact, what we're yeah. gonna be pointing to is in fact, when there's silence, without knowing that the silence is actually what is potentially allowing things to fall away, we will come into that, into that in a minute. But I'm just gonna kind of observation that we, we do a lot of more talking sometimes and it's, in, and not knowing that in fact- Well, I think you think the power- We think the power to change, is, change is in the communication mm -hmm. content, Yes. right? So you think, well, how shall I- So I think this is why I'm saying we start in a very different place because yes. you, you kind of, well, the, the interesting thing <laughs> is the first thing that we were doing back then as coaches is kind of assuming that our client's reality or the reality that we saw was some kind of- a, right oh mm -hmm. that person is difficult oh that situation is 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 frustrating or creates anxiety or whatever so we would give i think there was a 
probably less than our less than the coach either. Even the coach was giving mm-hmm. the situation some degree of causal power. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I kind of would see differently was when I would let's say I'm talking to a coachee now. And then they're saying, well, this boss is a, he's a difficult guy. Everyone thinks he's a difficult yeah. guy or something. I would automatically go, well, that's how you see it right now. But I wouldn't buy into the truth of that. Yeah. I'd see it as a real, as regular listeners know, <laughs> a yes. real but never true something occurring on the screen of perception for that client. So they're not lying. They're not pretending. They're not making it up yeah. um, that yeah. they're not being weak or anything. It's just how they see it. But I wouldn't think no, that human being is difficult, intrinsically hardwired to be difficult. Yeah. I think the first place we're saying is we're going in differently. In the old days, I would have gone in hoping and believing people could be mm-hmm. different and change. Yes. Right? Because you, I'd seen that happen before. So why not here? Yeah. Right? But I think yeah. the difference now is that I would not hope and believe. I would more neutrally just go, well, of course, it can be different. It, I'm not saying it will be definitely, but, the, mm. but there's no need to believe or hope. It's just it's, it's there. But it's in the capacity of any single human being to have a shift in how they see things. That that isn't that isn't the same as saying it's going to happen because because it may not. But the, there's no one immune to seeing things differently. Some people may have more conditioning mm-hmm. in the way, but you're less thinking well yeah well this is kind of true isn't it and this is a very difficult one you just you're much more neutral you're less attached to your client's reality is the first point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now that doesn't mean you don't respect your client's reality of course you do but you just see that that's just how they see it and that's just a situation so then to your point which i think is so important isn't it where we then thought the power laid was in the having different content of what to say to this person that's how you thought the relationship would change you you think it would change yes by shifting the content or even not just the words but the tonality of the content so you'd look at the or what words am I going to say to this person and how shall I say them shall I say them you know you know in a tone that's more like this that's how we thought the power is now Mm -hmm. you, you were just starting to point to the fact that now we look somewhere a bit different to where we believe the power is. Can you say a bit more of that? Well, in terms of the real but not true. Well, I think or... more in terms of, I was thinking now in what we are, and to use, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to give, give the quality of mind code language, the self and I, to see that actually, if what we're made of and what we truly are, all of us, any of us, you recognize that actually the power isn't in what we create in the world of form between us, although it can look like that. We recognize there's something underlying. Yeah. And our very being. That, uh, absolutely. And, and I, I'm in that. I'm just wondering whether, because you were pointing to, we can, we, we could, we could use the content a lot to try and change yeah. and improve the, the communication or the relationship but actually if we can one as you were saying notice the the separate realities or that the reality of it, it, it we have separate realities um but also there's no causal um uh 
results or, or, or in, in, in that if the boss says something to me one day and it's not very nice, we think that that creates a, that's created an inside feel and you're feeling in myself. Whereas actually to know it just doesn't work that way. Um, yes. Yes. So, so there's no causal power or anything. And no one can say anything that would make us feel anything, which gives us more psychological freedom um, yeah. to, to deal with whatever's going on. But the bit I really wanted to start to un unpack for people was if, if we're not saying in order to change a relationship, you need to necessarily just focus on what you say or how you say it. What is the thing that changes how people relate to each other? Right. <laughs> if it's not in the <laughs> content of the words or how you say the words which is where we used to point mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. we're saying there's a there's the recognition that we can all have mm -hmm. of what we are mm -hmm. all of yeah, us knowing any of yeah. us yeah which is to start to recognize the very nature of our being is yeah. a shared being now, yeah. forget for a moment whether we like someone or don't like them or agree with them or don't agree with them. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about before that, we're saying that we can get a sense and a recognition. And we're innately doing this as humans anyway, but it gets covered up. <laughs> Just look at little kids <laughs> to see yeah. that we are all one thing. We have a shared consciousness, a shared being. We're all made of the same stuff. Now, that can sound, for some people, and there might be listeners right now going, well, that sounds a bit silly or trite or woo-woo mm -hmm. or abstract or, oh, God, spiritual, whatever. It, mm -hmm. it can sound a bit like that to say we're one being. So, but what we do in our work now, isn't it? Uh, we, we, mm -hmm. we directly point people to see that for themselves because there's so much power that comes from that. Now, if someone's listening to this going, well, how do I know I've got a shared being? Mm -hmm. um, but what do you mean shared? How, how do we know that it's, it's what, what I am before my thoughts is this exactly the same as someone else? And I think we can, get a, we can get a little feel for that sometimes when you're in a beautiful conversation with your friends and you're just hanging out and there's nothing on it you kind of lose yourself into the the being of that conversation um and it, mm -hmm. and it, and there's a you, you actually lose the sense of separation and you're just in this beautiful time maybe it gets distorted and we all get that lovely warm feeling if i just put use the word warm which is why we like hanging out with our friends or why we like going going to a a, a music concert or a football match and we just get wrapped up in in the fact yeah. that there's lots of people there and that's we're recording this 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 podcast in 2022 january where we've just had a a year or two of not being able to share things with other people in person in proximity and we've kind of missed that mm. so if we didn't have a shared being we wouldn't miss that at all right <laughs> <laughs> now we now th th this doesn't need proximity to work where we can have a shared consciousness over the internet but there's something about seeing the impersonal nature of what we are within the, the apparent other, if you like, recognizing what we truly are within someone else. And we lose ourselves in that. And, and an extreme example is, is when we fall in love. And I know this is a business podcast, but we we'll allow ourselves to indulge. When you fall in love, <laughs> listeners, if you can remember that, 
you lose who you are and you become one with the other person. I know it's a bit rose tinted and there's lots mm-hmm. of songs mm-hmm. written about it, but mm-hmm. that's what we're pointing to. Now that happens in the business world when we, we're, we're in a great business team or the organizations when we really yeah. just sync with people and we love going to work because there's something about being part of what that is yeah. that touches yeah. us. And, and actually we can see it in nature as well. It's this, 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 whatever this is, isn't just in people, it's just in, in everything. And mm-hmm. we kind of consents it um mm. but it it's hard to put words on it but mm-hmm. there's something mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and it's lo- it's lovely isn't it in the work we do sometimes when we work with teams and we're asking them to really brainstorm or ideate on something new they're trying to find a solution to something they kind of something emerges from the conversation it wasn't one person saying it it just sort of came out and no one really knows who said it and everyone's like yeah that but there's a vibe in the room where it's, you, you've got into sort of almost like a, a sort of special emergent coming out of the, the nothingness idea. Yeah. Which, yeah. which really feels it that they talk about team synergy with two plus two equals five. Right. You're more than the sum of your parts. That's mm-hmm. the secret source we're pointing to here. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, yeah, that sense of, oh, this is a great team. I've, you know, I, I've had, I've had experience of that as well, where working with a few individuals and, and facilitating a session, and there's just that nothingness between us. We're just there yeah. in a, with that, yeah, that, that, the shared, and kind of almost because we are that shared being, our ego or separate, appeared separate, apparent separate self does not get in the way. Yes. Because it's, and I well, think that's the big I suppose pointer is that if we are, if we begin to sense that shared being, we can be in the workplace and look at others around us or be those on the screen if we're still doing homeworking that removes the apparent self talking to another self and the separation and therefore potential conflict, which only arises really at the level of thought. Whereas if we can just have that you're beginning to have that sense of shared being yes so much benefit in that and and i'm going to give it a sort of a stepping stone middle step for the listeners on this because mm-hmm. um they might go Oof, Oof, that know, seems... I, I, I do have a separate <laughs> self and it really doesn't like that other separate self right or or i i still yeah. have that separate self so yeah so i think it, it because what seems to happen is we, 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 we can sort of see ourselves as both. We can have a sense yeah. that we are this one shared being and we can resonate and have a sense of that. And then we can also really identify with what our conceptual mind comes up with about who we are, who they are and why we don't get on, right? <laughs> because you might go, well, hang on a minute. Are you saying I need to, let's take some extreme people from history like Genghis Khan or Hitler. Am I meant to just like be, oh yeah, we're all love together. I have no problem with what Hitler was up to or whoever it is. Are, are we meant to be doing that? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, what we're actually suggesting is to go, well, start to see that yes, we have a shared being with every single human being, right? We have a shared being and we are that shared being. And yet we also localize into our own Mm -hmm. alters or our own egos, which Mm -hmm. have a view on on this made up thing we call a world. And that may well be different to yours. That doesn't mean we don't have a shared being with them. 
And that doesn't mean we can't operate from seeing we have a shared being, yet on the screen of perception and how we see it, we have differences. Mm-hmm. So, and, and by keep coming back to the shared being, it allows us to navigate, understand, get curious about those shared differences in a way where the ego doesn't feel it needs to attack or defend. Because often what we do is that when someone else has a different view to us, particularly on something fundamental like religion or, um, or moral compass at what they think is right or wrong in the world, our self ego gets it feels, it goes, hang on a minute. What if you're saying that that's different to what I think, therefore you're Mm -hmm. saying something wrong about me. Mm -hmm. If you see the world like that, and I see the world like this, you are, you are telling me there's something wrong with me and my worldview. And then Mm -hmm. our ego gets protects or resists or doesn't like it. Right. Because you think someone is having a go at the core of you and we get insecure. And then when we get insecure, we try to defend or we try and attack, if you like. Now, if we can see that our shared being and and what we truly are before the self, as you mentioned, before thought, if we can see that that cannot be damaged, affected, is absolutely ring fenced, regardless to what any other of these isn't saying anything about who I am, because who I am is before the self. It's just a difference of view on the screen of perception then that allows us to have so much more resourcefulness, bandwidth, love, compassion, understanding, curiosity to navigate and deal with those separate realities. And somehow also, not only that, we, the the being that we resonate with and what we give off is less angsty and and actually you're more likely for that other separate realities views to slightly mold and change and dissolve not because you're telling them that oh you need to think like me just because there's a space of kind of uh where we get to where our mm-hmm. egoic view of the world does start to dissolve mm-hmm. and it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting now i've just rambled on for about a few minutes there Kay. i just wonder whether <laughs> what, what did you hear in that that you might want to really succinctly reiterate for people listening well, I think he's pulled it together really well. And it, yeah, I'm just, I, I think for those, and particularly because we're focusing on corporate, is t- yeah, tapping into or just taking on, on board that there is, there is more to see beyond the self and to begin to inquire into that that being and that shared being and to and I'm not sure I can succinctly bring this all together but to you know notice notice that sense of freedom and light and if we use the word love um because absolutely from that shared being um and that understanding and feeling entering into conversations that might be a bit tricky you'll be able to navigate just in a way that is less caught up in one's apparent ego Mm. um and there's a real lightness and you know this is kind of almost the nugget i think if if more and more conversations within corporates and teams 
were from this place, from looking at from from this shared being, there would be yeah, there would be more more love and 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 a sense of one that um, then allows things to to happen and emerge from from that place rather than from sort of what we were saying earlier in terms of trying to improve the 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 the, the self and 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 improve communication and from that point so it's it may seem a giant leap but it is it is where it is on offer it is there for us all to yeah for, it's for available for anything, all of us isn't it yeah. i mean that's, yeah. that's the and it, and that's the beauty of it it hides doesn't it because sometimes when you're squished up against it and your aperture is contracted it really looks like that person is a problem or that relationship's a problem or, or whatever it is. And it's, it's so hard to see when you're squished up that this is nothing to do with the mind and it's to do with them or, or you. Now, most listeners will have had times when they've had a big kind of challenge with someone and then later on it's been better. So we know it can change, but we know when we're squished up against it, it really does look very real, what we would say real and true, right? Now, the little, little uh, example or metaphor that popped in my mind, actually, Kate, as you were talking was, let's imagine you're, you're acting in a play and, and in the play you have an argument with a fellow actor, right? That's what your characters have to do. They have to have a big Barney about something. Mm-hmm. Now, as soon, as soon as the director sort of says, oh, time for lunch, right, time out, I'm assuming people will then very happily go and be in a loving space with their fellow actor, right? Even though they just had a big Barney, because they know that what the actors were saying was nothing to do with, they wouldn't take it personally. Yeah. Right? They wouldn't, yeah. Take, wouldn't go, well, hang on a minute, you said some pretty horrible things to me about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we wouldn't say that, because we know yeah. it's not what we truly are, right? Yeah. In, yeah. In Wonderful metaphor. to use that stage analogy, I think it's... Yeah. yeah so really now what we forget is, because we think we are me... I think what someone else thinks and believes and says mm-hmm. um, can affect me or it can affect my career and therefore my financial security or my sense of how clever I am or whether I'm liked maybe. Except, so there, and then when someone doesn't see the same reality as me, I can then get into my thinking about it and then I stop listening. I start judging myself or judging others or the situation and before I know it, I'm squished up and I can't see what's mm. really going on. And I suppose what we're doing in our coaching nowadays is rather than, if I use the metaphor of the actor, giving the actor a better script um, <laughs> to, to solve why they've fallen out with their friend um, is to make them realize what they truly are and what's available. Because when that aperture does open, it's amazing, isn't it? The ability to communicate the right things in the right tonality just comes out of your mouth. It yeah. just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I might just use an example that happened for us last week, Kate, because we, we were facilitating a group, weren't we? And mm-hmm. um, without any prompting at all, uh, we had this lovely little interaction, didn't we, between two of the delegates. Well, one of them was sort of being a, a little bit anxious and concerned about how they'd come across recently in some business conversations and was a bit concerned about it or maybe I wasn't being understanding enough maybe I was being a bit short with people and the, the, the other the colleague just turned around to them and for about two minutes just gave the most beautiful piece of feedback 
um, which we couldn't have ever scripted or coached into someone, right? It was just coming from such a place of honesty yeah. and, trans and vulnerability and love. And it moved this that their colleague to a place of tears. They were actually all crying at one point, weren't they? Um, <laughs> and that's nothing yes. I think we could have scripted or created um, from the conceptual mind. That was in the moment, just in that space of expression coming from a very impersonal place and it was yeah. amazing to watch and the yeah. whole room shifted well, wasn't it yeah. a lovely thing it was lovely and it just as you're saying that it takes me to you know business meetings where I've spoken to coaches who have sat in meetings having a meeting in their own in their head <laughs> now <laughs> and what shifts is when they're next in a meeting is to be able to just like that lady is you've just given an example and I was there it was it was, it was you know heartfelt and just coming from that sh that space um, is in a meeting rather than having a meeting with yourself and just having oh I'm not sure I should say that or what, what would they think if I say that and gosh it's going to be detrimental to my career if I mention that or gosh I'm remaining silent they're going to look at me as though I can't I don't know anything all those kind of just just layers of uh, visible lids of that one puts on oneself um, to go into that same meeting, knowing that there, that, that you have a shared shared being, and knowing that that these ideas, inspired thoughts appear in the moment when they're needed, allows one to just be and tune in to what is yeah your, your, yeah okay I don't necessarily agree with that person, but I'm going to ask a question. It just happens. You don't have to. The overthinking slows down and disappears, stops, doesn't get in the way anymore. Yeah. I, in my coaching career, have had so many conversations, if I think about it now, with coaches about how, how can I fix this conversation, this communication, this relationship with this person? And, 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 and basically, when you get into it, well, what's the problem? And they start reeling off all the things they think this person thinks. Um, and all the things that have happened in the past as to why they think this, so it's justified, right? And then they start judging what they think might happen if they were to go around route A, B, C, D, or E. And this is none of this is real time. This is all like when we're post-mortem in a conversation or, predict, or trying to plan another conversation. And, and the amount of thinking and effort that the conceptual mind applies to it is amazing. Mm. Now, the, the funny thing is, isn't it, or, or, or the paradox or the irony is that when you are in flow, as we would call it, in, in that wide aperture. What you need to know about that person and conversation just comes out of your mouth um, in the right way, in the right space. And it, it, it's so easy. Yeah, it is effortless. Um, so a real, yeah. I mean, I don't know, it appears whether we sort of move into to, to the aperture and just, because you've mentioned it a couple of times there, I'm just sort of wondering whether that might be a very well yes i mean it yeah. might be worth mentioning i mean again for, for regular listeners they'll know exactly mm. what you mean but i think in the context of, of relationships what we're pointing to here is in, in quality of mind we have this uh this thing we ask people it's a metaphor of course we call it the aperture and it's how it determines how we see the world in any moment and what our level of resourcefulness in that perceived world is and when we're in a very contracted aperture it looks like the world is difficult, stressful, full of people who are hard to understand and get to, to align with 
and and we feel we, we feel it we feel we feel all that and, and that's how the world looks when we're in that aperture when we're in expanded aperture we're much more in flow and we recognize that we've all got this kind of in the moment everyday genius that can occur to us that we we have a way of being that will bring around results and and we're just much more dynamic and in the flow so that that's broadly the aperture now what we've been conditioned to believe is that the aperture you're in is usually either to do with who the kind of person i am well i'm a kind of person that has a contracted aperture or they are <laughs> or we think to do with the circumstances so we might say well in, in some circumstances i can be in a really great aperture but um, when it comes to talking about the budgets or when it comes to talking about um, this particular project, then because it's so difficult and complex or the people are difficult and complex, my aperture is contracted. So we tend to think that the aperture is caused by the situational circumstance or by the type of person I am. And that we're saying is not the case, right? The aperture determines the world you see, right? Not the world determines your aperture. And that's one of the biggest mistakes yeah. we get into. And when we, when we start thinking the aperture is determined by the situation or the person, of course, yeah. we then think, well, I can't be in a, very, in a better aperture about this until the situation changes, right? Or the person changes. <laughs> so we have to flip it around and go, oh, the fact that this person's looking difficult, this situation's looking challenging, isn't telling me anything about the personal situation. It's just feedback about the aperture. And then when we recognize that, we can go, okay, this is looking like this because of the aperture I'm in. Now, when the aperture changes, this will look different and feel different. And basically, the, the aperture will change when I recognize what I truly am and see the reven, real and never trueness of it. So that's the, the whole... Now, I've tried to summarize aperture there in about three or four minutes. I don't yes. know that that worked. Kate, anything you'd like to add? No, I just think it's a very good way, particularly the way that aperture could be used in terms of thinking of it as someone else or in the external circumstances. I think that's, that kind of links back to what we were saying at the beginning. Um, and I think this gives an opportunity for, you know, listeners and, and, and new listeners to be able to look at their own screen of perception, what, what they are seeing as real and true, and to begin to, begin to question that and just seeing the aperture as, as the barometer or the, the, the signpost of, of mm. what the world appears to them, what it appears, to, we use it as, as that way of indicating what the world is looking like to them. Um, so I think it's, it's a, it's a, it couldn't you, it's a great way in um, to begin to kind of, um, you know, take it in your life, if you like day to day and just sort of say, just, just sense check. Okay, okay that's quite a nice little summary you've done there. Let's just do that again for listeners because I think it's so important. So what we're saying is if there are a few things to take from this podcast and, and listeners, we'd always love to hear what you think, but, but let's give you a few uh, pointers on what we think you could take away from this podcast. So one point would be when you're looking at a relationship or a situation, how it feels, if it feels oh difficult or oh, I'm a bit avoiding that one or I'm a bit anxious about that one or I'm annoyed about that one or angry about that one. That sensation, that sensation that we believe might be coming from the situation or the person is actually only ever an indicator to the aperture that you're in in that moment. So that's point one is that how a situation or a relationship feels is a sensational indicator to the aperture 
And if it's feeling all those icky things that I just mentioned, that's showing you you're in a contracted aperture. So that's, and then once we spot, oh, this isn't the situation or them, it's the aperture I'm in. We can then go, yeah, and actually I'm seeing this as real and true. I'm seeing there's causal power in what's going on. I'm giving the person causal power. I think the situation can make me feel like this. I'm seeing the world as real and true. So that's sort of point two. And then we can start to go, well, hang on a minute. If I understand what I truly am, if I understand what we're pointing to about this shared being, this that I'm not this self, I'm, I'm not my thoughts, feelings, perceptions. There's something else that I am truly behind the peers, behind the cape, behind the thought, behind the thing. If I can truly know that I am that and fall back into that, and it can take seconds, just seconds for that to happen. There's then a dissolving or a loosening of that perceived reality. And then the aperture starts to expand. And then we start to have a new way of seeing and a new level of resourcefulness comes in, which will know how to listen, will know how to just get curious about the situation, but coming from a space of just curiosity, love and understanding rather than I need to fix this, defend myself, attack them or whatever. And that's how we would point our clients to mm. uh, see the nature of communication relationships and, and, and synergy in the world of organizations and business. Now, yeah. does that little summary make sense to you, Kate? That makes total sense. Beautifully pulled together. <laughs> and as much as a, you know, an action <laughs> orientated sort of ending um and i suppose with the flavor of curiosity and inquiry being a a part of your sort of everyday life when you know, we ask ask a lot of sort of intellectual cognitive questions the conceptual mind goes overboard and a lot yes. of corporate life we can spend so much time it's almost like the engine gets so burnt out because it's just over, over, overused. And what we're pointing to here is a very light, effortless way beginning to notice that actually that, it, that, that's, that's, the, that's the burnout. We don't, the car can actually run more smoothly. Um, mm. And, and, and it actually it's a, good, it's, it's a good point because I was gonna sort of finish on the question. What I said there can sound incredibly simple. So why don't we do it more? right you know <laughs> why doesn't it happen well, it's not really doing but why don't why does why don't we why doesn't that happen more and i think you just pointed to it it's because we're addicted to thinking right we're addicted to that conceptual mind deciding what's going on and mm -hmm. trying to work things out with mm -hmm. its its smart intellectual oh, I'm going to do some Socratic questioning on this, or I'm going to recognize that that person on the disc was a this, or, or, or I'm a this. You know, so, that, so our mind just goes, jump straight into trying to fix it, work it out, analyze it at the conceptual mind level, mm -hmm. and completely innocently yeah. misses yeah. what we're pointing to. Yeah. And the better, and the, I've got to be better than Jane and Bob and that going on as well, particularly in the corporate world. So not only working it out, but also I've got to work it out to be better than the other people. And I'm not, I'm not good enough. So that all goes on as well. So yes, it's really yes. up. And people in the, like to do something they can tangibly 
grip and control and manage. And thinking is very tangible. We, 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 we can mm -hmm. wrestle with our thoughts. We can have better ones. We can have worse ones, according to our mind, of course. And it's very tangible. So I'm going to go away and think about this. And people would, e even some reflection, people, people sort of slightly misunderstand. They think, I'm going to go and reflect on this conversation. That's kind of okay, but not if you're doing it in a very thinky, conceptual way, because we need fresh thought and insight to come through. So I think... What stops this happening more and people seeing the power of it is our innocent conditioning that we've been relied to to look at the conceptual mind and everything that that produces because it's more tangible and kind of um, being relied on to do other things. That's how we go. Yeah. That's where we rely on. Now, actually, when we were even in the old days of our coaching, Kate, getting breakthroughs, it wasn't because of what we were doing. We just thought it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were taking credit for it or yeah. we would take, oh, Little it's, it's did we know, good to fact. think this through, we yeah. would say. Good we think, yeah. think this through. Now, what we really mean is, what we really would say now is, well, actually, the thinking's dissolved and fresh has come through. But it wasn't anything to do with our conceptual mind. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that you want to, as we're going towards time, any, any sort of little snippet you want to leave people with? If there was one thing to do as a result of having a listen to this, what would you leave listeners with, Kate? Mm. I would just, yeah, note, note, I think the addiction to thinking and overthinking and, and, then, and then to look at the, the piece on the aperture that you could so nicely brought together to, to re-listen to that and just close one's eyes, take a quiet moment and just digest it in, in, and take it in. Um, it's, it's very different. I've been there in the, I think Piers has as well in terms of the overthinking, overanalyzing, living in thought, believing it. And I think this is, it's so remarkably effortless when one begins to see what is already there. It's not hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think this is, I'll just say that even if 90% of this podcast has made no sense, but there's something in it that you've resonated with, right? Because don't worry, the conceptual mind will try and work it out. But if, if there's something that you resonate <laughs> with rather than understand, get in contact with Kate or I, I'll put her details in the show notes and let's have a proper conversation about it. So these podcasts are really meant just to see whether there's a little something in what we're talking to that you can go, oh, what's that? Don't worry if you don't understand it all. Uh, that's not necessary. It's just we're pointing to a different way of being as, as you can the other podcasts. And if something resonates, although even if you don't know what it is, then stay with that sense of resonance and curiosity because you're onto something. So, so that's how I'd sort of leave it listeners. Uh, and, and just get curious about it. Listen to it a couple of times, check out some of the others. And if you want to and feel inclined, then get in touch with Kate and I, and I'm sure we'd both be very happy to have another conversation about anything that we've talked about in this. Of course. Fantastic, Piers. So, Kate, thanks. Thank you so much. So much for your time. Lovely uh, to be here. So thank you, Kate, for your time. Great conversation. Um, listeners, we're adding in a new little feature to make it even easier for you to share your views, comments, insights and questions. And if you head over to www.sayhi.chat forward slash QOM, that's sayhi.chat forward slash QOM, you can leave us a little voice note, which is a super easy way for you to connect with us. And we might even then be able to respond to your voice note in the podcast. So ask us any questions about this episode or anything to do with the Quality of Mind podcast in general. We'd love to hear from you. And as usual, 
Have fun being curious and keep exploring. Catch you on the next episode. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.